So again, welcome, friends, and very glad that you can be here, uh, be there and be here tonight. It's lovely to see your faces and to to know that you are there uh, makes me happy, it truly does. And as uh, on this first uh, Tuesday in October of the year 2020, uh, where, uh, as Peggy mentioned, we had our annual meeting at last after being delayed for about seven or eight months. And, um, and it is time uh, for beginning anew, and it's time for uh, reconnecting with our, uh, with our practice, reconnecting with ourselves, uh, with those around us, uh, with our society and with our, uh, with our world. And part of our, our course of study uh, that the Program Council has uh, been looking at is uh, taking up the mindfulness trainings of the order of interbeing, uh, the 14 mindfulness trainings that define uh, the Tipien or the order of interbeing, Thich Nhat Hanh's uh, community that he began uh, in Vietnam uh, during the war. And I was thinking about uh, just what's alive for me in my practice. Uh, and I think for all of us, one thing that is alive is what do we do? Uh, what do we do while the country is on fire? Uh, while there's a, a pandemic uh, which forces us into this uh, way of interacting into this Zoom call. Uh, when there is continued uh, oppression and discrimination against uh, people of color, LGBTQ+, plus, uh, people who are uh, differently abled. And it's hard to know what to do. <laughs> I know that I'm often at a loss uh, and, and I feel overwhelmed. It's hard to know where to engage, where to begin, uh, where to start. And one of the things that uh, uh, are so beautiful about the mindfulness trainings, and um, one mindfulness training in particular I'll speak about a little bit more tonight, but uh, the mindfulness trainings um, can look at them sometimes as a way of what not to do, right? There's often long lists of uh, things to avoid and be careful and to be mindful of and but really, uh, they're a beautiful map of what we can do. Uh, they're a way of showing, showing a way forward uh, through this world that we live in, uh, through this beautiful and terrible world. And one thing that's been very, um, very clear to me recently is uh, our practice and the invitation that we're given in this practice um, is to embrace everything, uh, to embrace it all, uh, whatever it is that, uh, that we're confronted with. Sometimes that embrace can feel very difficult and painful, particularly when we realize that 
that we might be the source of harm. It's a very difficult thing to accept, to embrace. But we don't leave anything out. Uh, Thich Nhat Hanh is fond of saying that in the monastery, uh, it's like a, a bunch of potatoes. There's an easy way of cleaning the potatoes, which is, um, or there's a one way you can do it, which is to scrub each individual one and then set it down and pick up another. He said, but it's much easier just to take a bucket and fill it with potatoes and water and shake it. And uh, they bump into each other and clean each other. Uh, and um, in our sangha, in, our, in the way that we have our sangha structure, we don't get that opportunity to bump up against each other quite as much. Uh, I know personally it's much easier for me to put my best foot forward for a couple of hours uh, uh, on a Tuesday night and, um, and not kind of have my rough edges. And, and I know that it's true for others too, uh, to not have our rough edges uh, bump up against each other. But part of, the, um, part of that for me is that, that it's, um, oh, it's, it's a reminder uh, that I might be leaving some aspects out of my deep looking, out of my uh, meditation, out of my uh, mindfulness. There might be parts that I'm ignoring or denying or uh, uh, maybe not even aware of. Uh, I see uh, uh, my family there, they, they know what some of my potato spots are, that's for sure. Uh, and I know a lot of you do too that I've known for a while. Um, but it's, um, it's a gift that, uh, that we can give each other to uh, show up uh, on our Tuesday evenings and just bring ourselves. Uh, not, bring the, um, all, not always bringing the best aspects of ourselves, but bringing, uh, bringing everything. Our sorrows, our difficulties, our challenges, uh, our misunderstandings, uh, our embarrassments. Uh, I was uh, talking with a friend today, and um, he was mentioning uh, that the Reverend Angel Kyoto Williams, a Zen teacher, uh, and a um, African American woman who's also uh, an activist in the Buddhist community, was talking about uh, how. There's many forms of Buddhism, and we here have embraced uh, the meditation form uh, and kind of uh, rule everything, uh, judge everything against that yardstick. And I was so embarrassed because for, until this afternoon, I had thought of uh, like the Nichiren Buddhism and Pure Land Buddhism that includes much chanting as a... Um, well, and I, I will say it. I viewed it as an inferior form Buddhism. And there are millions and millions of people who practice this way. Um, it, was, it was just such a, a, an embarrassment uh, to realize that I had been viewing it that way. But also a gift that a friend was able to share it and in that moment um, was able to you know, to share that, uh, that part of me with this friend and to have that safe, uh, loving container of 
sangha and of practice so that I could I could um, express that and then move through it uh, and then let it go and realize uh, uh, and to let that insight work inside of me to let that insight change the way that I see the world um, it was a uh, it happened very quickly, and it was it was very um, very powerful just to have that little thing. Uh, and one of our organizations here in Missoula, uh, Common Good Missoula, part of the Missoula Interfaith Collaborative, recently held a series of workshops called Decentering Whiteness, uh, and uh, just teaching about um, white culture in America and um, teaching about how, um, and this is true for me, uh, and maybe if, you, uh, can, maybe if you look deeply in yourself, it, you'll find it true for yourself, that uh, whiteness becomes invisible and in that it's, it becomes a norm that everything else is judged by. Uh, whiteness, including white culture. And, uh, and it's embarrassing, uh, <laughs> to be frank to realize that I've been living that way for my whole life. Um, there's a, an aspect of um, Buddhism, uh, they talk about uh, 51 different mental formations, uh, basically states of mind or experiences, emotions, uh, responses that, that we have. It comes from the, uh, the Yogacara uh, tradition. And one of the um, mental formations is actually found in both the helpful and in the unhelpful uh, or the unwholesome uh, category. And that is the uh, idea of shame. Uh, shame can be uh, an aspect that uh, shuts us down and overwhelms us and um, dredges up fe uh, negative feelings of um, low self-worth and uh, it can, um, it can really be a painful uh, experience that we want to push away. But shame uh, in the wholesome category has that aspect of transformation. It can, um, it can, for me, what happens is I get a flood, an overwhelm of my system uh, when I'm embarrassed or uh, ashamed about something that I've been holding on to. And that, to me, is an indication that, oh, here's something to let go of. Uh, and then it's a, it's a release. And instead of staying in shame and thinking that I'm a terrible person, I actually feel gratitude that now I see the world in a, in a uh, more beautiful and rich way than I did before. Uh, it's a, it's a, a time to learn and a time to, to grow. Um, and so this... Uh, this work that our country is, is asking us to do uh, of deep looking into um, uh, whiteness, uh, into any of the um, uh, kind of dominant uh, roles of which, <laughs> you know, here I am sitting as a cisgendered, able-bodied white man. Uh, I kind of have them all uh, at the moment. Uh, but, and um, um, our country is inviting us to look at that and to look at this and to, um, to feel that, that shame that doesn't 
um, stop and doesn't make us feel bad about ourselves, but the kind of shame that has the capacity to transform. Uh, and so it, it makes me very uh, excited uh, to be in this time because it does feel that there is a swell of people who are willing uh, to take this on and who aren't um, incapacitated by embarrassment. It's more, you know what, this is what, uh, this is, yes, this is true. Now what? Now let's move together. Now let's, um, now let's work towards collective transformation. Um, and uh, I had a, a quote from the Reverend Angel Kyoto Williams. Uh, and she says uh, about Sangha, we'll get to the mindfulness training shortly here, but um, it's going to be about Sangha. Um, but uh, she says that uh, the misunderstanding is that refuge, that is the refuge in the Sangha, refuge means somehow being protected from our discomfort. Refuge is actually about being protected from all of the things that hinder our ability to see our discomfort and to be able to actually come into contact with it. Um, when I read that, I was just so moved uh, by the potential uh, that Sangha has. Uh, the potential to provide a container, just like with my friend this afternoon, where we can um, show our rough spots, um, when we can come together and, and, and share, uh, share our, our difficulties. And, that, and, and what happens when we do that is um, collectively we all learn together. And so uh, you're learning today <laughs> about that, that potential from my sharing about um, that experience. But that we all kind of get lifted up uh, from uh, that experience, uh, from coming together and not looking to always just uh, be comfortable and feel good. Although Sangha certainly provides that container because there are so many times when I have needed uh, a refuge from uh, discomfort, and I needed that loving embrace of the Sangha. Uh, and that loving embrace can also um, include all of the difficulties too. Um, and that's why it's so wonderful uh, to, to come together, because on the nights that I need the loving embrace, maybe that's the night uh, you choose to share your discomfort. And then on the night I choose to, that's the night that you can sit back and just be protected uh, from the Sangha. It's a, it's a beautiful, uh, beautiful dance. And a, a, it has such a, a deep capacity for not just individual transformation, but for our collective transformation. Um, the mindfulness training that, that I was thinking of is uh, in the order of interbeing, it's the 10th mindfulness training, and it's called Protecting and Nourishing the Sangha. Uh, it's a, the mindfulness training that speaks to um, the essence and aim of the Sangha 
is the practice of understanding and compassion. And um, we are determined not to use the Buddhist community for personal power or profit or to transform our community into a political instrument. As members of a spiritual community, we should nonetheless take a clear stand against oppression and injustice. And it says we should strive to change the situation without taking sides in a conflict. And um, I would uh, maybe refine a little bit the uh, political instrument and say perhaps a partisan instrument uh, because in our world right now um, you can't even uh, uh, wear a mask without it being political. Uh, so um, unfortunately some of those uh, issues become partisan as well but, but we can try to st stay out of that and uh, take our values um, uh, to make um, to take those stands against oppression. And um, one of the ways that I see that uh, we can do, um, do that work uh, is not necessarily by all coming together and uh, protesting, although uh, I know that I have seen some of you at protests uh, before, but it's, uh, it's more that we can do this work uh, together of shining a light on the places that we might not be aware of. We have uh, some Sangha friends who have been very active in anti-racism work for many, many years and who bring that to us. Um, and we can even do it in real time uh, when we see something uh, in, the, in the sharing or in the Sangha, we can, um, talk about it. Uh, we saw a lovely example at the annual meeting when a member spoke up and said, hey, I'm not comfortable with something. Uh, and we were able to, to process it right then and there without waiting. Uh, it was uh, wonderful to see that process alive uh, and that capacity alive. Um, and so I was thinking you know, Sangha is not a political instrument. It is a spiritual uh, community. And, and a question arose then, you know, what is our Sangha? And the thing that, that came to mind is it was you. <laughs> you are the Sangha. Um, and so why would we want to leave anything out when we come together? Uh, because we leave part of uh, the Sangha out when we leave our, um, when we leave those difficulties out. When we bring our whole selves with our, our joys, our difficulties, our, uh, our, um, our insights and our, our new uh, areas for growth, our new uh, learning, when we bring that, our whole self, um, uh, it, it has the capacity it has the benefit of enriching our entire Sangha uh, in addition to ourselves. And so it's interesting, sometimes, uh, you know, Sangha feels uh, bigger than, you know, than you. <laughs> it feels bigger than that, but it really, it, it isn't. It, it 
really is the uh, individuals who bring their whole selves wholeheartedly, uh, whole being into community together. Um, that Sangha really comes alive. And in that, you know, there will be times when we have uh, challenges, when we have disagreements with one another. Um, and disagreement uh, isn't a problem. It just means that we see, uh, see things differently. It means that we have different views. One of our other mindfulness trainings speaks to that none of our views are changeless and absolute truth. Um, and sharing our disagreements um, uh, in this setting, in this practice container, in this um, ability, uh, in, in, this, in this setting, um, can be great for practicing when we disagree with people who aren't committed uh, to ending suffering, uh, like like we are, uh, when we come into contact with people who who um, who don't have that as a as a goal, who don't always see us in the best light, like we try to do here in Sangha, and we try to see each other in the best light. And when um, when we practice that. Uh, kind of deep listening, it can have that capacity to shift our view, not to let go of necessarily something that we believed, but just to see it from another angle, uh, to see, to gain understanding, to gain that, uh, that deep um, connection to another person. At the end of the training, it actually speaks to uh, the says we'll actively build brotherhood and sisterhood. Um, and I know some, sometimes those uh, words actually, uh, brother and sister, can be challenging. So we'll actively build uh, siblinghood, flow as a river, and practice to develop the three real powers, understanding, love, and cutting through affliction to realize collective awakening. So we spoke a little about understanding, that um, deep listening uh, to see the other perspective. And uh, the other uh, real power, true power uh, of love, um, even when we have a disagreement with, uh, when our view isn't in alignment with someone else's view, um, we still uh, open our hearts and love that person. And again, it's something we, we can practice here. We can open to each other, love each other, um, and share our uh, disagreements and difficulties and joys. And that cutting through afflictions, that is, uh, for me, uh, that is a little bit what I was talking about earlier about shame when we feel that kind of embarrassment of, oh man, I didn't know that. But then we get to celebrate in the same breath, and now I do. It's, I have cut through this, this um, particular affliction that uh, was, was holding me back from really ending suffering. Uh, 
So it's a gift when we learn those things. It's a gift when um, when we're shown that uh, that light, because it's not a um, looking back on all the all the years. I, I had a moment of that when I was talking with a friend earlier, where I just I looked back on all those years that I'd held that view, but then I celebrated that now I don't have to keep that anymore. I'm, I can let that go. And um, so when we, we take those three things together, understanding, love, and cutting through afflictions, uh, we really can realize collective awakening uh, because we all gain. We all have a new understanding. Uh, we all have a new um, uh, way of finding a way out of suffering. And so... Um, when I think of, of this uh, mindfulness training right now in the way that our community is structured where coming together isn't really safe, um, we can continue to do this work of uh, deep looking together so that um, we can carry this work of transformation out of uh, this container into the riskier container of the rest of the world. Um, and um, I remember years and years ago on a retreat, Eileen Kira, uh, Dharma teacher at Mountain Lamp uh, in Washington, Deming, Washington, uh, spoke about uh, making a mess. And I think what she meant was uh, our practices encourages us to take some risks uh, because we will make mistakes when we take risks. We will say things that harm other people. Um, we will uh, um, we will feel that embarrassment uh, from time to time. And the other part of that uh, taking risks is that then we have the capacity to learn and to repair. So when we do say that um, that thing that hurts somebody or they take offense to it. Uh, you know, we can say thank you. You know, you've, you've helped me see this. Uh, it was on our spring retreat, um, somebody uh, uh, casually used a, a word um, describing a mental illness like we often do. Uh, you know, the words like crazy or uh, schizophrenic or something like that, but used it kind of in a, a non-technical term. And somebody said, like, hey, you know, as somebody who has mental health issues, that uh, feels, you know, kind of hurtful to me. Um, I think she used the word offensive, but also it hurt. And it was just such an eye-opener that sometimes we use these words casually. Um, and uh, um, they have real weight and real meaning. And for me, it was, it was I was grateful because it, it helps to uh, just not... Um, use those words that uh, cause harm. So that was an example for me of understanding of love and cutting through afflictions uh, shared by a Sangha friend who took the risk of saying that uh, this uh, hurt her because, you know, it is risky to do that because I know that when I tell people that they hurt me, then they hurt too. <laughs> um, 
But that's what this container is for, is to protect that, uh, to protect the Sangha and truly to nourish it. It's a wonderful, wonderful gift uh, that we can give to each other. Um, so uh, this um, particular, uh, there's other mindfulness trainings. We're actually going to read the 14 mindfulness trainings uh, together as a Sangha in a couple of weeks. And the two mindfulness trainings that come before this one uh, speak to um, kind of how we deal with uh, uh, intra and interpersonal conflict uh, in the community. And then this one talks about how we bring it out, how we um, take what we've learned and grown together and bring it out into the world. So. Uh, I've been speaking a little bit more about kind of our process here, but it, it really has this effect of uh, transforming uh, our, our ourselves um, as we engage with the rest of rest of the world, rest of our our friends, our family, and our society, uh, because the world needs our our healing, our nourishing, uh, and we can't do it if we're not aware of it, and if we are not willing to also kind of wade into these uh, difficult uh, waters together. Uh, so I am so, I really am very, very happy that you are here and that we are doing this together uh, because it's, um, I was very overwhelmed a couple of weeks ago uh, just with everything, <laughs> with, um, with everything. And, uh, on our retreat, I wrote a uh, gata uh, that was, uh, when I feel exhausted, uh, you can substitute overwhelmed uh, if you would like. When I feel exhausted, I vow with all beings to stop putting energy into my defenses and open my heart to the present moment. So uh, we can uh, engage in this practice together. We can protect our Sangha, not by avoiding difficulties, but we can protect our Sangha uh, by engaging in these difficulties together. Uh, we can protect it from inaction. Uh, we can protect it from uh, denial. We can protect it from avoidance. And in doing so, we also nourish our Sangha. Uh, we nourish our own hearts and we nourish uh, each other. <laughs>